Welcome to Screen Cleaning, the show that is all about shining a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. My name is Jeff Simpson. And my name is Cole Wissinger. And we are here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. We talk about movies, we talk about TV shows, and we talk a lot about what's going on in the entertainment business every week. And uh, this week, we certainly have some interesting events going on because movie theaters might start opening their doors again. Cole, it's so weird. I never thought I would feel this way about movie theaters opening, but uh, I almost feel like there's this sort of mystique around it. You know, like Charlie walking outside of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, just wondering what it might be like if he opened if. Willy Wonka opened his doors and now movie theaters are starting to do it. I feel like I've won a golden ticket, Cole. And and both of us cashed in that ticket this week. And that's going to be what we talk about on the show today is is the experience of getting back into the theaters, what you can see and and what we still have to wait for. But before we get to all of that, as we always do, we talk about the best in entertainment news this past week. And for Jeff, maybe the past couple weeks, because we missed you on this show last week, Jeff. Oh, thank you. It was it's nice to be missed. And I missed you guys, too. You know, Cole, I was I've been so nervous this whole time as the movie Tenant by Christopher Nolan. uh, They kept advertising that we're not moving. We're not going anywhere. We're keeping our original release date. And I think both you and I were super skeptical about that. And so as I dug my nails into the armrest, uh, as they announced that they are moving it, I was able to take a little bit of a breather because it's only moving to a couple weeks later for July 31st. See, you think they'll be able to stick to that date? That's That's got me even more nervous. I think that's a little bit of hubris. If If they... If they couldn't stick to July 17th, what do they think is going to change in a mere two weeks? Um, like, Really, 14 days in this climate right now, if they weren't going to release on July 17th, I would have preferred them just pulling the date entirely and saying TBD because that's honestly what it's going to end up being um, unless they want to get people like us talking about how it has a new release date every other week as they slowly push back and push <laughs> back. Because the the state of L.A. County, um, the well, the state, not the state of L.A. County, but I, the I state gotcha, of L.A. Gotcha. County is, is not going to change in those two weeks. They still have a lockdown for the end of the month for most public gatherings. Uh, and it's these big cities where movies can make their most money. And that's kind of where they've got a base on. Yeah, movie theaters have slowly opened up here in like small town Utah and in rural communities and drive-ins. Certainly we've talked about making big money, but big relatively speaking. But it's the big theaters that seat a lot of people in the big cities that they're really waiting on. And that's not going to change. Cole, come on. You tell me that within two weeks we can't immunize the entire earth. Well, not 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 going to happen. Maybe <laughs> if this was a movie, then maybe we'd get it done. We'd just put Jeff Goldblum or someone on it and and life would find a way. Well, we already know. Nice reference, by the way, to Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, we already know that we are going to have to wait a little longer for the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. Right. But they didn't make us wait too long to get a clip of what that's going to look like. Have you seen this, Cole? Oh my goodness, yes. The bells 
already been wrong. And they've heard it. Out in the dark, among the stars. Ding dong, the god is dead. So, Cole, it should be noted, I have not seen Justice League, the Joss Whedon or Zack Snyder or bootlegged copy. (laughs) I haven't seen it, right? Okay. But even I know that the voice featured in that little clip is the uh, kind of the nerd version of Lex Luthor, right? Played by Jesse Eisenberg. Mm. Was he in the original cut of the Joss Whedon cut of Justice League? Not that I remember. No, his last appearance was the Batman versus Superman where he's shoving Jolly Ranchers into senators' mouths and being weird Jesse Eisenberg and not particularly Lex Luthor. But we did get screenshots coming up to Justice League the, of him wearing a bald cap and he looked like Lex Luthor. We also got images of J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon that didn't actually make the final Justice League cut. There were all kinds of things that were supposed to be in Justice League that weren't, but you got the feel that they were being shot. Uh, that Gosh, that little tease did exactly what it was supposed to do for me because I got more excited for that than I was for the original Justice League movie. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Do you think it could be better? Because rarely do these uh, extended cuts or director's cuts, rarely do they end up being better than what was originally released. Do you think it has a chance, Cole? I think it's very possible that HBO is truly pouring some money into this and they're taking it seriously. Whereas normally when you get just like some deleted scenes to throw on the the Blu-ray as, as an extended feature, they don't put some time into this. This they want to make a full-fledged movie out of. I've got a little more hope than I did originally. I think it's I, it's still hilarious. It's still chaotic that it's even happening. But I my hope, my actual hopes are actually kind of raising after this. Well, maybe this will be telling, Cole, but have you ever seen a deleted scene that you enjoyed? No. (laughs) I didn't mean to crush your hopes and dreams there, Cole, but you're right. They put a lot of money into it. Maybe there's something there, and uh, only time will tell. It'll be out next year on HBO Max, right? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to now do the math on if it's worth it for me to keep HBO Max between now and then. Because remember, I got that free seven-day trial. Uh, and then sure. I I haven't canceled it yet. I've paid <gasps> for my first month of HBO Max. You swore. Cole, you I, swore. You know, I thought. You would... Wow. <laughs> you see, this is why I liked having Rod on last week. He doesn't keep me honest on anything because he doesn't remember when I say I'm going to do something. So, Cole, speaking of theaters, obviously we're not seeing very many or really any major releases put in the movie theaters because they just haven't been open. But one uh, set of theaters that has been open is the drive-in. And we did a previous show about drive-ins and drive-in experiences. And you can find that if you Google screen cleaning podcast, you can look up all our past shows, one of which was a show that we did on the drive-in. And there's a horror movie That is not a Blumhouse horror movie. It seems like pretty much all of them are. (laughs) It's actually from IFC Films called The Wretched. 
I have not seen it. I'm sure you haven't seen it because I don't think we have a drive-in close by that even shows it. Right. But it just passed a million dollars at the drive-in, just on a handful of screens. We're talking fewer than 20 screens, Cole. Week after week, this movie continues to make money. Um, but eh, that's some not money. to say that. The, well, yeah, yeah. But again, there's really no competition because, you know, the, the alternative is to go see a movie that's been out for decades. And we'll talk more about those movies here in just a minute. But there's another movie that just set a record. I mean, this is I'm about to give you, you know, one of those obscure statistics that, you know, especially in baseball, they love to throw out right as they're commentating on a three hour game. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Invisible Man just set a record that uh, will likely not be beat anytime soon. The Invisible Man, after about 15 weeks in theaters, has just become the number one movie again. It made over a quarter million dollars this last weekend at the box office. Again, playing in in drive-in movie theaters. And uh, people are, you know, choosing to see it in the movie theaters that are open instead of just renting it online from the comfort of their own home or or even purchasing it. It's available for purchase now. But uh, that is a movie that came out just in time before COVID-19 hit and all of these restrictions were put in place. So it made quite a bit of money worldwide on a very limited budget. So again, one of those movies that is probably thanking its lucky stars that it came out when it did. And now it has the it has the distinction of becoming a movie that not only did well in its initial run, but people are still supporting it in really creative ways. And you saw it and you enjoyed it, right, Cole? Oh, yeah. Invisible Man still sits at the top of my favorite movies uh, that have been released in 2020. It's a minuscule a list anyway, though, smaller, right? Smaller list than it normally is by this point in the year. But that that weird record reminds me, my very first CD, as a matter of fact, was the Beach Boys' Sound of Summer. And oh, yeah. it had a bunch of little tidbits in it because it, it was a compilation album. And one thing I remember is that the Beach Boys, at least when I bought this CD, I don't know if the record has changed since then, used to hold the record for the longest amount of time in between number one hits. Most of their big songs, you know, California Girls and Barbara Ann and Surfing USA, those were 60s songs. And then in 1988, Kokomo hit number one on the charts. And at the time, that was mm. the longest gap that a single band had had between two different number one hits. And that's kind of the the version of what Invisible Man has done here. They were number one at the box office back when we had a box office. Then they fell off. And now with theaters kind of starting to open again, Invisible Man's the only thing that's good that they're putting in there that's new. And so it is back to number one. It's kind of fun. Well, speaking of movies, the best movies that you've seen this year, and as you said, you know, it's a pretty small list because nothing's been released. Um, I saw a movie recently that um, let's just say it wouldn't be on the top of my list even in this year. With it's probably so in the top ten released. Uh, I have, will give you that. Have you seen goal. more than ten twenty twenty movies? <laughs> Although it might appear toward the bottom of the list, and it is Trolls World Tour. This is, as I read in one article, the most controversial movie of twenty twenty. Wow, not anymore. <laughs> You missed oh. last week. We got to talk about Artemis Fowl, um, and I think that takes the crown. But go ahead and talk really? about your movie. 
Okay, okay. So this movie started this huge feud between uh, Universal Studios, not the theme park, but actually the film production company, Universal, and a bunch of theater chains, including AMC, right? Because Trolls World Tour did so well. It did so well because it was probably one of the first movies that decided, you know what, since we can't release in theaters, we're just going to we're going to let you rent it from home at a premium price. It did so well that Universal started second guessing their decision to release movies theatrically at all. Or at the very least, uh, they wanted to start releasing these movies digitally simultaneously showing them in the movie theaters, which AMC said, ah, nope. uh-uh, that's not going to happen. And because of that, they've vowed to not show universal movies in their movie theaters. And they're not the only chain that's doing that. So there's a lot of controversy. And so one would hope with a movie that is so controversial that uh, we would get something a little better than what I saw on screen. Let me take you back a little bit to the time that I saw the theatrical trailer for the first Trolls movie. It was just simply called Trolls. And I made a vow of myself. I said, I will not take my kids to see that movie. Because in the trailer, there was a character who gets so scared that they, uh, let's just say a cupcake comes out of them. And I won't say (laughs) which orifice. And with a bunch of sprinkles and frosting on it, And once I saw that, I said, I will not take my kids to that movie because I don't want them reliving that or or regurgitating that scene over and over and over again and talking about how funny and wonderful it is. Well, fast forward to uh, a couple months later, and I'm looking for something to do with my kids. And there's a discount movie theater showing trolls. And so I said, you know, they haven't seen it. We're bored. Why not? (laughs) I took him to go see Trolls, and I was actually really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. First of all, the animation was amazing. They were doing things so imaginative, things that I'd never seen in an animated movie before that really uh, won me over. But then also, the whole movie is just full of this this, uh, pop-fueled soundtrack that really gets you going throughout... And after the when the credits started rolling, the theater was full of kids that were out of their seats up in front of the screen, dancing their little hearts out. And so when that when that movie became available on digital and on Blu-ray, we bought it and we own it and we love it to this day. However, that was not the experience that I had with Trolls World Tour. Um, This is a movie that, you know, a sequel to a movie that came out years ago. And in this movie, there are different genres of music. Which seemed like a cool twist. Like, I remember just like you when I saw the trailer for the first one, and and to be fair, I have not seen either feature-length movie. But based on trailers alone, the trailer for the first one did not interest me in the slightest, and it had that catchy Justin Timberlake song, of course. But... Other than that, there was nothing going for it. Whereas this one, the shtick of it, how these these two pop music kind of trolls from the first one have to go and visit different genre music trolls and, you know, unite the guitar strings. And that seemed like an actual movie. It, it looked like it had a plot as opposed to just singing, dancing trolls in the first one. You know, it's it's a bit of a mess, Cole. 
Um, it seems like you said, it seems like it could be an interesting premise. One thing I will say in its favor though, right off the bat is once again, the animation is amazing. There is so much detail in this animation the entire time when I wasn't thinking, Oh, I'm pretty bored with this movie. I was thinking, okay, seriously, who came up with these ideas, this level of detail that you see in the animation? Because I, I can't fathom thinking up some of these things that they came up with. For instance, there's a chase scene where they're, you know, they're trying to jump this big Canyon and the Canyon is animated with, it looks like these stacks of blankets that are made up to look like this great big Canyon. Hmm. And, you know, there's a scene where one of the characters chainsaws a couch in half and inside the couch, there is this little character that's just playing a handheld video game. And I'm thinking, these are just throwaway things that you might not even notice or even fully appreciate, but that somebody took the time to animate. And there are just tons of those little references and cool little animated clips in there that you can certainly appreciate. And I certainly did. However, I didn't care much for the story. It was a little confusing at times. Uh, It was just not very interesting. And part of the reason I say that is because they've completely cut out a whole set of characters from the first movie that I did care about and that I did think were hilarious. So the reason I don't think this movie is hilarious because I think they focused so much on filling the film with so many songs that they didn't spend any time writing any genuinely funny jokes. Jeff has had this kind of a gripe before in movies. I remember in The Rise of Skywalker, you were just kind of mad that Benicio Del Toro didn't come back. Note to filmmakers, if you want Jeff to love your sequel, you would got to include his favorite obscure character from the original. So nothing really original there, Cole. But again, if nothing else, it gave me an opportunity to go to the movie theaters once again with my kids after months from being away. And we're certainly going to talk about that when we return. But it also gave me an opportunity to enjoy some popcorn and some Skittles. But gosh, Cole, it certainly would not top my list of best movies of 2020. And as we've already established, that's a pretty short list. And Jeff, like you said, you got to see a 2020 release in the theaters. I got to see a movie that I've never seen on the big screen before. And that's what we want to talk about when we come back here on Screen Clean. Jeff, I thought we were talking about movies we have seen this year in theaters. By my track, there hasn't been a a good Indiana Jones movie for the past 30 years. Yeah, that sounds like music from a movie that came out in 1989, Cole. Hmm. And that's before you were born. Is that why you didn't see it in the movie theaters? I, I think it was a pretty decent excuse. Okay, all right. That, of course, from Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. One of one of many movies that we're going to be talking about here on Screen Cleaning today, not for the reason you might think. 
Cole and I had the the unique experience of being some of the first people to return to movie theaters as some of these movie theaters are slowly starting to open back up. But what do you do when there are no current releases of major motion pictures? Well, you bring in the heavy hitters. Hence, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Right, Cole? The, which is the movie that I went to see just yesterday. The, the theaters opened back up on Thursday night, and I was first in line to be socially distant and six feet behind the next person in line and then three seats over from the next person next to me in the in the back row of a theater, though, to see Indiana Jones on the big screen. These are movies that I grew up with, Jeffrey, uh, and especially Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was... Uh, as a matter of fact, available in IMAX in the same theater that I went to um, for for a little bit more. Now, I mean, I paid about eight bucks to see a movie that I've already seen before, but <laughs> Jeff, it was worth it to to be able. Really, I forgot. You know, we we started off the show talking about the feeling you got when you were back in a theater. I did not expect it to hit me this way because I've I've grown up watching movies on every single platform you can possibly think of and. Honestly, more than not on a television, right? Going to a theater wasn't a huge part of my childhood. I went to the drive-in a ton, but just the wave that came over me when I was seeing trailers again and then to see the opening, you know, big landscape shots of Utah, the state that I live in now, uh, as as The Last Crusade begins, a scene that I've seen, you know, five, ten times before watching this just on a television but to see it on the big screen, I realized what Steven Spielberg has been trying to tell us for years, that theaters do matter. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious. Paint us a picture here. Walk us through your experience from the moment you first walked through the doors, from the moment you walked out of those doors after the movie. Tell We don't have to name the movie theater itself, mm-hmm. but... I'm really curious to know what sort of things you experienced in the theater that you saw. So it started off with the emptiest lobby that I have ever seen. Normally I'm going on a Thursday night to see a movie that's debuting tonight. You know, I'm getting that basically the midnight release feel because a movie's supposed to release on a Friday. Uh, This Thursday, not as many people in the theater. And so everyone was certainly distant from each other, saw a few masks, all the employees, you know, kept kept things very clean and and kept it taken care of. Um, But yeah, empty lobby. There were a few people getting some snacks. And then you go in and there were still some employees, you know, Cloroxing and spraying down the chairs, uh, even though this was the first showing of the night. And I I was sitting in the corner and then it made you pick a seat three seats away from the next group of people. And so there were maybe 20 people total in my theater to see Indiana Jones. And then it ended. Everyone just kind of filed out as you do. and, And we all left. Really? So there were 20 other people that that were okay with paying eight or nine bucks to see a movie that they probably own. Yeah, there was there was an older couple that was nearest to me and then kind of another group of young people a little bit further down. Uh, There was a young father with a couple kids that have maybe also I mean, certainly have never seen this on the big screen, but that might have been their first time seeing Indiana Jones at all. And it's at the theater, I envy them. That must be a, such a cool thing to almost take, you know, time travel back in time to the 80s when these movies were happening for the first time. Well, Cole, I live pretty close to that movie theater you went to, and I'm excited to return because 
they have some of the greatest concessions of any movie theater I've ever seen. Which been everyone to. knows is why Jeff really goes to the theaters. Yes. And you better believe when I talk about my movie theater experience, concessions, that uh, that little point is going to come up for sure. So I went to another movie theater. I went on a Wednesday. And considering it was a Wednesday, I thought there were a decent amount of people in line waiting to get their tickets slash get their concessions. Now, one thing that drew me in right off the bat with this movie theater is they were not charging eight, nine dollars per ticket. This is a movie theater that doesn't even charge more than seven dollars per ticket for any movie at any time. So it's I kind of an older theater, of theater, you know, not exactly luxury seating, if we can say that. Right. And so, you know, I'm used to going this to this movie theater and just expecting that, OK, I'm going to have kind of a grody experience. But, you know, the whole place is full of kids. And so, you know, I just need to keep in mind that maybe I won't be able to hear everything as well because of all the noise from the kids. Or maybe I shouldn't be uh, concerned about it being not as clean as some of the other movie theaters. But one of the things I noticed right off the bat, you could smell how clean this movie theater was, Cole. <laughs> and you could see the streaks on the counter from somewhere from someone who had just wiped it down and sanitized it. So right off the bat, I noticed that this theater was cleaner than I've ever seen it. Yeah, movie so, theaters, especially the, the one you went to, do have a certain... It's that buttery, popcorn-y, stale hot dog kind of just... It's got a specific smell, and that wasn't there. I, di- I didn't notice that. You're right. Right. This movie theater, only though it has four screens, I believe, they only showed four movies because they want to, you know, obviously stagger the show times and the, the show times didn't start as early as they normally would. So they're trying to minimize the number of people in there. But this is also a movie theater that during this whole pandemic has been open anyway because they they kind of plowed some fields and they put up some big giant screens and they've had four different uh, drive-in movie theater screens on this not really gigantic lot. So my hat is off to them for that, for keeping their doors open and giving people options to watch movies and enjoy an experience that people miss. I think they really miss it. Um, Another thing that I noticed, just like what you saw in your movie theater, is all the employees were wearing masks. Again, that was very comforting. The employees were wearing gloves so that I knew that... uh, you know, dirty hands weren't touching my buttered popcorn. And speaking of the popcorn, um, they did not have their butter dispensers out for the public to use. So the table where that would normally be seen was completely empty, completely clean. I could I couldn't get nacho cheese, although I don't I don't usually get nacho cheese at the movie theater. Uh, There were no napkin dispensers. There were no salt shakers, no butter dispensers or straws that you could get yourself. Everything was on their side of the counter. You had to ask for it. So what they were doing was they were filling up little cups of the butter from the butter dispenser and letting people uh, get it that way. There are also no refills on the popcorn, Cole. Once they hand you that bag, it's never going back to them. You'll have to buy a brand new popcorn, which I get, and I'm I'm totally fine with that. This is another movie theater that, uh, in addition to their prices being low for the tickets, their concession prices are very, very low as well. So I think that's another thing that a lot of people appreciate about this particular theater. 
when I went to go inside the theater, first of all, I noticed that online I could not reserve my tickets. I could not reserve specific seats, which I thought was odd because every theater here, that's that's the norm, right? You reserve your tickets ahead of time. That way you don't have to worry about the movie being sold out or you not getting a good seat. So what we did was we went up to the ticket taker who escorted us. He was escorting each party of people to seats in the movie theater. So he would go in there and he would enforce basically the social distancing. And uh, yeah, that's how we were able to sit apart from other people. And we still had really good seats, right? Four seats apart and, uh, you know, keeping your six feet distance, although there was somebody right behind us. I'm not sure how that slipped through. We saw new trailers while watching our movie, Move, trailers for movies that were actually at some point in time will come out. And uh, yeah, overall, it just felt really good to be there, Cole. Although I will admit more than ever, I was super conscious of things that I touched and of wearing my mask when I wasn't eating something. And yeah, even the way I put my arm on the chair rests, I uh, I was super conscious about that throughout the movie. But it was a great experience. It was good to be back with those few, I mean, major adjustments aside um, and a little bit of discomfort maybe at the beginning. I had a great experience. I just wish maybe I would have been in the theater seeing Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. <laughs> Instead of Trolls. I, I'll tell you, you know, just speaking from our experience, you know, can't speak for every theater across the entire country, but I, I was never uncomfortable. Just like every other business I've gone into when I have to do my grocery shopping, um, when I go to the gym, when I go to the mall, every employee is taking this seriously and they have the plexiglass up. Every precaution that... Uh, businesses have been recommended to put into place. It seems like the theater that I went to, and it sounds like the one you went to as well, were doing that as well. And so, um, you know, except for people that have extra precautions that they need to take care of because of pre-existing conditions, I personally was never uncomfortable in my theater experience. Okay. And we're going to tip our hat just a little or tip our hand just a little bit here, Cole, because we're going to mention a couple of other movie theater chains that have not yet opened. So just know that Cole and I did not go to either one of these movie theaters. But they should be noted because they are also being very cautious about opening up their doors again. So there is the Cinemark movie chain that will be opening July 3rd. And they did something which I think was awesome. And you can Google this video that they put out. They put out about a three-minute video outlining... Now, I, I'll have to go back and look, but I assume it's the, the CEO or somebody higher up in Cinemark was outlining all of these changes that they've made so that you as a theater patron feel safe going back. I got, a some similar, that, I got a similar video at the end of the trailers, right? So I was reminded, hey, oh. Wonder, Woman, Wonder Woman 84 was supposed to have already been out. And, you know, a couple of the other trailers I got. And then right before the movie, the president or CEO or, you know, someone wearing a tie was sure. on right before the movie just explaining how it's it's good to have us all back at the theater. This is what we're doing. This is why we can feel safe. Yeah. And there, this theater, Cinemark, is going to be doing some things that you and I already talked about, what we saw in the theaters that we went to. You know, you're not going to get any refills on your popcorn. Um, there's There are going to be hand sanitizer stations all around. Um, they're 
you can reserve your tickets online. And in fact, I didn't know this. I thought Cinemark, all of them reserved tickets online, but apparently they don't. That's going to be something. That's one of the changes that they're making across the board is you will reserve your seat online so that if you make a reservation, they're going to black out the next three seats next to you so that the next person to go on to reserve tickets won't be able to get those seats next to you. Um, And it was just it was comforting to see all that they were doing. And what really piqued my interest, Cole, is that. Clearly, since there are no no new major releases, they're going to be doing what every other theater is going to be doing and showing old classics, but they're going to be showing them at a discount. So basically, they're slashing the cost of the ticket in half, which I know you'll be a fan of as well, Cole. So $5 gets you a ticket to go see Indiana Jones or The Goonies, any of those other movies that they're going to be showing. And they're also- Back to the Future, I think, is playing at our local one. Yeah. They're also going to be discounting their concessions, Cole. Which you're a fan of. That's huge for me. Right. So then the other movie theater chain that will be opening up a little later, AMC Theaters, July 15th. And uh, they had a story in the news today because they made a statement saying that they will not require guests to wear face masks as they come to their movie theater. When I thought about it and when I read about the other movie theaters that are opening up again, I don't think this is a requirement that any of these movie theaters are putting out, but they are strongly suggesting that you do. So yeah, how many I'm not people sure were how, wearing masks? I'm not sure how AMC oh. became like the poster child for bad business practice when I've not been to a single <laughs> business that has required masks. Everywhere recommends it and those that are particularly sensitive are doing it, um, but no one's requiring like when i go grocery shopping i'm not required to wear a mask either um i'm not sure how amc got this bad press when they're well, not Cole, alone there is one big box store that shall not be named that it is a requirement to wear a face mask to go into the store i mean they also charge you just to get in the store too and so sure but i have noticed businesses that will have a sign up that says Come to the front desk if you would like a face mask, right? Mm -hmm. So they're strongly encouraging people to wear these. And not one of these movie theaters has forced people to wear one. In the movie theater that I went to, I would probably say of the patrons that came in, there were probably more people not wearing face masks. What was it like when you went to your theater? Yeah, it was probably a little under half. Now, again, uh, I said there were about 20. Six of them were this one kind of gaggle of young people and the young people were not wearing the masks the the little family <laughs> was the older couple was and so um you just it's kind of a demographic thing all right well cole it'll be interesting to see how these movie theaters continue to get back to normal operations these are all really phased approaches that they're taking And I'm all for it. If they can do whatever they can to stay open, but also keep their patrons safe, that's going to be a great thing. Now, the next big thing that I'm going to be looking for, Cole, is just when is the next big major release coming out? And when can I see it in my favorite movie theater? Oh, gosh, I hope it's soon. Right now, Mulan is currently the next one on the schedule. They still sit at July 24th, which would technically be a week before we said Tenant popped back too. Um, but again, I would expect it's only a couple more weeks before they both move back again. And then it's, I guess, Bill and Ted in August that we have to look forward to. 
And then, of course, New cool. Mutants. That's an August release, right? It'll <laughs> it'll be seen on theaters someday. Cold. You will never see that movie. It'll yeah, never see the light of day. <laughs> but, uh, gosh, I kind of wish that some of these studios would take the risk, and especially Disney, right? Disney has money to burn through right now, don't they? Right? Theoretically. Huh? They well, have more, more money than their I park do. Hasn't, their park hasn't been open in months, so that's probably not true. But I would love to see a Mulan or a tenant type movie. You just say, you know what? We're going to do it. We'll be the only movie in theaters and we'll see what happens. Trolls World Tour took a big risk and it paid off for them. So I, I know that a lot of people are so excited to see Mulan, so excited to see Tenet. And I almost wonder if it would work. To just fill an entire theater where, um, you know, because you can only fit half as many people in each screening, double the amount of screens you put it on and you might get a decent turnout. There you go. Well, if if I had my vote, that would be my vote. And I'd be first in line to see it. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, when we return, we're going to talk more about some of these big summer movies that came out decades ago that are appearing in movie theaters once again, as well as I, I guess there's a little game in store that Cole is, is going to be the host of. I'm super intrigued by that. That's all up next here on Screen Cleaning. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. Today on the show, we are talking movie theater experiences as these movie theaters are slowly starting to open up again. We are having the privilege of going back and seeing, since we can't see any new movies, really, we're going to see movies from decades past. And that is part of the score from one of my favorite composers of all time, Mr. Danny Elfman. It's the score to 1989's Batman, one of the many older movies that you can see in movie theaters. Right, Cole? That's right, Jeff. And I, I picked Batman 89 because I went this week to see the number two movie from the 1989 box office. It was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It was only beaten by Batman, of course, because yeah. Batman movies always seem to have a knack for that. A million dollars, Jeff, sounds a lot to you and me. I would love, love to just have a million dollars. But at the sure. box office, it is beans. We talked about The Wretched making a million dollars. And and if I just said, hey, it made a million dollars, that sounds pretty good. But it's $1.4 million this summer that it has made would place it at number uh, 79 in last <laughs> summer's box office. And so as we kind of put some things into perspective for you, we're going to talk about uh, some of the top five movies from years gone by. So the idea of the game that we're going to play is, say I said, 1989 for you. And okay. I would tell Jeff, in as alphabetical as I can do on the fly, what the top five movies were. Batman uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters, and, oh, Ghostbusters 2, and Lethal Weapon 2. And then, Jeff, you would get to guess what you think the number one was. Hmm. Batman. Uh, yes. And then you You already win. told me. Yep. And you already told me number two was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yep. Uh, Lethal Weapon 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and Ghostbusters 2 go in that order 
1989. So now let's, are you ready for it? You ready for the game? You think the audience gets it? They can play along at home as long as Jeff's not too quick uh, if if he'll let you play. Uh, Let's do it. I'm not cheating. Let's go right to, I want to keep this in your wheelhouse. I was trying to think of when I went to the theaters the most, and it's probably right around when I was graduating high school. And Jeff, Mm. you were doing that in the year 2001. And so here are the top five movies from that summer right after you finished high school. Are you ready? I'm ready. The Mummy Returns, Jurassic Park 3, Pearl Harbor, Rush Hour 2, and Shrek were the top five at the box office in 2001. Jeff, which do you think was number one? Okay. Well, it certainly was not Jurassic Park 3. I can tell you that much. It was, as a matter Um, of fact, five. So you're doing good if you want to try to put them in reverse order. Okay. Um, Let's see. Let's go with number one. The number one movie of that summer of 2001 was Shrek. It it had number two by 50 million. You got the correct answer, Jeff. There we go. There we go. So Shrek, then Mummy Returns. Did you, were you one of the $263 million worth of people that saw Shrek that summer? Absolutely. And I loved it. And fun fact, that was the first movie ever that I owned on DVD. In Ah. fact, I was the youngest person. I'm still the youngest person in my family. I was the first person in my family (laughs) to own a DVD player. I went out, bought a DVD player and Shrek. I'm proud to say that was the first movie I ever owned. Well, I'll tell you, I had Pearl Harbor on VHS, and it was one of those two VHS boxes similar to uh, the Titanic that came out a couple years earlier. I think Pearl Harbor was trying yeah. a little too hard to be Titanic, uh, and yeah. not not one of my favorites. Well, I've got to say, Cole, I'm I'm surprised that Jurassic Park 3 even cracked the top five, because I, I know it did well internationally, but I don't think it did very well here in the States. Number six was the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes, which also wasn't exactly a critical darling. And then (laughs) the shocker to me as I just kind of glance at everything is the Fast and the Furious, which currently Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest money-making franchises out there. The very first one came out in 2001, and it was only number seven at the summer box office that year. It took a little bit for this franchise to really gain the steam that it has. And certainly next summer in 2021, when we get nine, uh, I think it will be a little higher than seven. <laughs> Is that the official name for it? Nine? Nine. Uh, I'm not sure of the official Excellent. pronunciation, but <laughs> it's definitely F9 coming to theaters near you summer 2021. Oh, my goodness. All right. Okay. So what's next? Well, Jeff, we tackled your graduation year, so I think it's only fair that we fast forward a little bit to when I was graduating high school Mm. in 2010. Are you ready? I'm ready. So I've told the story many times, and we will start with Toy Story 3 because it definitely came out right after I graduated high school. It has a lot of meaning in there. And then the other four are, gosh, Alphabetical is hard. Okay, Despicable Me came out, Inception, Iron Man 2, The Twilight Saga Eclipse, and Toy Story 3. Those are your five movies to pick from. Okay. um, I can tell you right off the bat. Oh, gosh. Okay, this is a tough one, Cole. But I'm going to go out on a limb 
and say that Pixar took it with Toy Story 3. It did. Jeff is two for yes. two so far. Yes. Well, I just know that it was it uh, made over a billion dollars at the box office, but I was also wondering if Despicable Me made a billion dollars at the box office. Ooh, also I should probably make it clear then, I when I do games like this, and last summer when we were talking about our summer box office lists, I only look at domestic. And so okay. Toy Story 3 made 409 million domestic to make it the number one movie yeah it's possible it's a very it's it's possible that iron man 2 would have made more uh internationally but i'm not sure if the mcu quite had that power back in 2010 that it has iron man 2 i think a lot of people would agree is the least of the three although some people don't like three either oh three uh, controversially, three is my favorite of the three. I know the first one holds a dear place in many people's hearts, but I, I love the kind of after Avengers effect that Tony Stark is going through, how he's not even in the suit for half the movie. Um, <gasps> so, Cole, so good. This is what I love about Iron Man 3. He's vulnerable through mm-hmm. almost the entire movie, almost like another third movie with a certain caped crusader who doesn't spend very much time in his costume. That movie, The Dark Knight Rises, I also loved Cole, but that's probably a sore subject for you. Yeah, not one of my favorite Batman movies. I kind of wanted to include the summer of 2008, but I thought it would probably be too easy to guess that The Dark Knight made the most money. It beat number two, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull by over 100 million. (laughs) So 1989 and 2008 have a lot in common. Batman was number one and Indiana Jones was number two. Just... Different versions of the characters. And also, 08 was when the first Iron Man came out. It was number three. All right, but you ready for your next next contest, the next year to talk about? Yeah. Well, my favorite year in movies, I've said many a time, was 1999. And so Mm. I want to give you the top five of that summer. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, Big Daddy with Adam Sandler, The Sixth Sense, Star Wars Episode One, and Tarzan. Okay. Well, I know Austin Powers 2 was a big hit when it came out. Um, Ooh. You know what, Cole? Maybe this this is pretty easy. Because all you have to do is say Star Wars, and you've got your number one movie right there. But people people complained about The Phantom Menace. People talk about it being the worst of the Star Warses. Could it Cole, really have made more money than... Cole. Yeah, it, it did. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let me, let me tell you something. When this movie came out, um, this movie, they started something that had been, as far as I know, kind of unprecedented in that they were showing this movie around the clock. Nowadays, we've kind of circled back to like the midnight showing, but they literally showed it around the clock. They did not take a break in the schedule. They were anticipating such huge numbers that uh, that's how many screenings they had of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. I don't think it did as well as they thought it would, but it was certainly enough to make it the number one movie of the year. And it did double Austin Powers 2. In, in domestic yes. box office. All right. Now I want to throw a little bit of a harder one at you. The summer of 1990, Jeff. Hmm. Alphabetically, 
you have Dick Tracy, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, Back to the Future 3. Gosh, I'm bad at alphabetical. All right, so Back to the Future 3 would have been first, then Dick Tracy, then Die Hard, then Ghost, and then Total Recall. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. By 1990, Schwarzenegger was box office gold, right? You have the sequel to maybe the greatest action movie of all time, Die Hard. Dick Tracy coming on the heels of Batman's great box office performance. And a Back to the Future franchise certainly was making money. And and then, you know, Ghost, a a rom-com, a sci-fi supernatural ghosty. I wouldn't call call it a rom-com. Rom, romantic, rom something. I'm still waiting for the big challenge because Total Recall, rated R, not going to be the number one movie of the year. Dick Tracy was kind of a box office disappointment. Um, Back to the Future 3, by that time, the franchise was losing a little bit of steam. Die Hard 2, again, another R-rated movie. It's harder to be the number one movie of the year when you have that R rating. I'm going to go with the only movie on this list that was nominated for Best Picture. I wonder if you knew that, Cole. Ghost is the number one movie of 1990. Wait, you're telling me the Total Recall wasn't nominated for Best Picture? I am so stunned. (laughs) But Ghost was. I like Total Recall, but yeah, Ghost Ghost, uh, was number one at the box. Only by 10 million. I'm trying to to find a little bit of a harder one for you here. Oh, so what was number two then? It was Total Recall. Oh, it was Total Recall. It was. Okay. Wow. I, I barely squeaked by with that one. But yeah, I mean... I can't believe Ghost was actually nominated for Best Picture, but I do love that movie. Number six, by the way, Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise. I watched that this week. It's okay. Huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. 1987, Jeff. Mm. Now, I'm, now I'm just kind of picking random years for you. No real reason. But we have Beverly Hills Cop 2, Dragnet, Predator, because I do love Arnold Schwarzenegger, The Untouchables, and the witches of Eastwick. Okay, because you now, wanted a this hard is, one. This is really interesting, Cole. First of all, um, I'm shocked, absolutely shocked that Dragnet is in the top five. This this is not a good movie, Cole. <laughs> it was number five. If you are trying to scratch, you know, get your multiple choice a little bit smaller. Okay. Okay. So this is really interesting because I, I'm going to have to go back on what I said just barely that the number one movie couldn't be an R-rated movie because four of these five movies, they're, they're rated R, Cole. Dragnet is the only one that's not. So definitely not Witches of Eastwick. In fact, I'm just going to skip to the one I'm pretty sure it is, and it is Beverly Hills Cop 2. And that is correct. And that's that's yes! why I picked that year, because I wanted you to admit that an R-rated movie can be number one from time to time. Well, thank you for putting me in my place, Cole. <laughs> All right, Jeff, next, the year that you were born, 1983. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine much of this box office was you that summer, but we do have five okay movies. We've got Flashdance, Trading Places, Octopussy, a Bond movie, always reliable. Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, and War Games. Really? Oh my goodness! I'm the further back we go, the more surprised I am at some of these movies that were that big hits when they came out. Actually, got to be number yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, with the number of movies that I saw growing up, I, it's possible that I saw one of these in the movie theaters, maybe in utero. But um, let's see here. Ooh, Flashdance, Trading Places, Octopussy, Star Wars Episode Six, and War Games. Yeah. Okay. I know Trading Places was a huge hit. But. But, but I'm going to go with Return of the Jedi. I think the biggest gap between one and two of any list that I've come up with so far, it made 232 million trading places, 80, number two. Yes. Okay. Also in the top 80 million. Also in the top 10 that year, Superman three, awful. Jaws three, (laughs) D, awful. And 1983 turns out not fantastic. Okay. Um, And finally here. It was a great year for babies. There you go. I think so, too. All right, Jeff, I got one last one for you. See what your memory is, because this time last year we were keeping very keen eyes on the box office. Do you actually remember what came out on top in the summer of 2019? The top five were Aladdin, Avengers Endgame with an asterisk, Spider-Man Far From Home, The Lion King, and Toy Story 4. Remember, the first weekend for Avengers Endgame does not count towards its summer total because it was technically in May. Cole, I feel like you are doing this to me to rub my face in the fact that you won our summer blockbuster competition last year. Just barely by the hair of your chin, by the hair of your upper lip, Cole, <laughs> you beat me. It, the answer is, of course, Avengers Endgame. That is. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Wait, 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 hold on. Stop, stop. Because you did give me that little uh, disclaimer at the beginning, right? Uh huh. So the answer is actually The Lion King. Correct. So in our competition, we did not include Avengers at all, even though it would eventually be number four, even not including its entire first week in theaters. We just took it entirely off our lists when we were trying to make it, but. It did make the official list. Uh, Lion King, though, the movie I thought that would be number one was number one. Good memory, Jeff, and good playing. Yeah. Well, Cole, as we do with each and every show, we like to wrap up by doing a little panning for good. There's good in them dire hills. Panning for Good is just a a really quick opportunity for us to highlight something that could use a little more highlighting because it's so good, Cole. And I mentioned seeing Trolls World Tour in the theaters, not having a great movie-watching experience, but the movie theater experience itself was was pretty good. Um, I had a similar experience when I went to go see Angry Birds 2. Again, let it be known, I do not like Angry Birds 2. But what came right before Angry Birds 2 was one of my favorite movie-watching experiences in terms of shorts. The short that preceded Angry Birds 2 was a short called Hair Love. This is a short film that would go on to win the Academy Award for Best Short Animated Film. And boy, oh boy, does it deserve it, because it just tells this very sweet story with no dialogue of this dad trying to get his daughter's hair ready for this dance competition. And, of course, hilarity ensues because he's just struggling to try to figure it out, right? But then it has a little bit of a heartwarming turn toward the end. 
I won't tell you why the dad is forced to do his little girl's hair, but it is heart-wrenching and heartwarming, and it's no surprise that this film won the Oscar. Go look it up. It deserves your six or seven minutes, however long it is. And uh, I plan on doing that tonight with my family, Hair Love. And the reason we bring that up is because the man who uh, who came out with Hair Love, he signed a first look deal with Warner Brothers Studios. And what that means, Cole, is whatever he comes up with next, Warner Brothers, they want a first crack at it. So they have and they pay him for it. So congratulations to him. Well-deserved because this man is very talented indeed. And just for references sake, his name is Matthew Cherry, Academy Award winner, Matthew Cherry. There you have it. And that does it for the show today. We'll be back next week here on BYU Radio. We are here each and every week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. This is Screen Cleaning. And I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we'll see you next time.